You know, again, we're coming up um, in this time of different um, things in this world, and I want to ask you guys, and it's something I've been asking myself, and even, you know, as a Christian, um, where or who does your, fa- your faith, um, who, who do you, where, where are, is the foundation of your faith? Is it, again, is it a politician? Is it a position? Is it a pension? Is it the politician, uh, a revolution, or even education? Is it any of those things? And any of them of themselves are not bad, but I can be guilty, maybe we can be guilty on um, putting our faith um, in those things. I mean, I'd be the first one to tell you that, um, man, I would, you know, I'm thankful to, to have a pension or whatever it might be, or I'm thankful that um, we're able to read um, books. You know, there's people around the world who would love to be able to read a book or to um, read the Bible. But um, our faith is to be on Jesus and Jesus alone. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, just to kind of get like a little definition of the word faith, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And later on um, in the verse, or in the chapter, in verse 6 of Hebrews, it says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And in Hebrews chapter 11, we get, you know, what's called the Hall of Faith, right? And we read about all these different people who um, had faith. And when you read about these different people, and primarily, the, you know, in the Old Testament, you see that they're ordinary people. They aren't these super saints. They aren't these perfect people. They all have their flaws. But if you would, um, turn to Matthew chapter 14, where we'll cover verses 22 through 33 on this one guy named Peter. And we know that Peter was not a perfect guy. You know, most of you know that his name was um, Simon, and then Jesus gave him a nickname. And some of you guys have nicknames from back in the days, right? Do I have any little jokers in here or baby joker, big joker, right? Smiley. Well, Jesus gave, you know, nicknames. If you remember um, the two brothers, John and um, James, what was their nickname? The Sons of Thunder, right? And so Simon's nickname is Cephas, Peter, right? That's his nickname. And it's kind of cool to give, you know, nicknames. And um, you see that the names that Jesus gave to them, you know, were fitting for them. But it's, it, if you're in Matthew chapter 14, it says immediately in verse 22, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Now before this um, time of him sending the disciples away, Jesus had just fed 5,000 people. If you just skip up to Verse 21 and chapter, um, I'm sorry, the same chapter, chapter 14, it says, Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. 
So Jesus had just did a miracle. He just fed 5,000 people, not include, besides the women and children. So immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitude um, away. Jesus feeds the 5,000 people, and he tells the disciples to get into the boat. How many of you like watching movies? Right? Have you ever seen a movie and you're like, oh no, don't go over there, don't go over there, something's going to happen, don't go over there, he's going to be right there around the corner, whatever it might be, right? whatever movie it might be. And so kind of like right now is we kind of know the story a, a little bit, and we're going to see that when they get into the boat, they're going to be in a storm. And storms happen in our lives. Some of you are in raging waters, so to speak. Not raging waters in San Dimas, but you know what I mean. You guys are going through some crazy things, heavy things. Sometimes the raging waters, the storm is because um, of disobedience. Maybe it was a, a bad choice you made. It was consequences to forgiven sin, and now you're kind of you know, dealing um, with that. But in this case, in the context of the passage, Jesus tells them to go into the boat. And so they're about to be in a storm, not because of disobedience, because, but because of obedience, because they were obeying what Jesus said. So in verse 23, it says, And when he had sent the multitude away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was there alone. So Jesus sends them away, and there he goes up to the mountain. How fitting for this you know, verse for us guys who will be going up to the mountain to get away. And just um, kind of like what Henry was saying, where there wouldn't be any uh, distractions. I don't know about you guys, but um, my iPhone, my iPad, my iMac, my Apple Watch, my Apple TV, now, all these devices can be very distracting, very. Even my wife, my kids, um, just everyday life can be a distraction. And so we need those times to get away, and what a perfect example Jesus is to us of Jesus being 100% God and 100% man felt the need to get away and just seek the Lord. So some of you might be saying, you know, hey, Ray, I don't need to go up to the mountain to spend time with the Lord, and no, necessarily, you, not necessarily you don't, but there are those times, there's something special about just getting away and spending time with the Lord. Um, I know when I go to the retreat, I look for, um, I'm looking really forward to it, and I look forward to it um, each year. And there's a special spot that I'm not telling you guys where I go and spend time with the Lord um, up there. I wake up at, I try to anyway, because it's hard to sleep up there, because you know, like Henry was saying, there's a lot of fellowshipping and stuff, and all the guys stay up to like one, two in the morning sometimes. But to be able to wake up early, and, you know, you're walking, you see other brothers walking, and you know, okay, they're going to go spend time with the Lord. And just to find that place 
to just sit at the feet of Jesus and to hear his voice, to hear him, to be able to have that special time. How many of you like taking vacations, right? I like taking vacations. And isn't it cool when you just get to get away, you, you, you get away from home and you're, I don't know, maybe in a cabin or maybe at a hotel, whatever it might be, but you're just away from the everyday life, you know, routine and um, schedules, and you get away to just relax. And this is what Jesus did was he, he went away, he spent time with the Father, he's there alone, he, he's praying, and the disciples are in the boat. Now, in verse 24, it says, But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. So the winds were going the opposite direction from where the boat was going. And so, according to John 6, 17, the disciples were roaring to Capernaum by way of Bethsaida. Bethsaida, Bethsaida. Mark 6, 44 says that. Um, and um, Capernaum was about five miles southwest of the Jordan entrance. Do you guys ever feel like you're being tossed to and fro? It's kind of like, okay, I just got out of this situation, and then here comes another wave. And then, okay, I just got out of this situation, here comes another one and another one. And sometimes the waves just seem bigger and bigger and bigger, and you're saying, when is it going to stop? But God is doing it for a reason. He's doing it for a reason. And we're going to see um, what he's going to do in, in Peter's life and even the disciples who are in the boat around them witnessing to what God is doing. In verse 25, it says, And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I would trip out if I saw somebody walking on water. Have you ever tried walking on water? Anybody? No? I remember um, when I first came to the Lord and uh, the young adults would hang out, I remember one brother saying, I sense the Lord calling me to walk on water. So I just sat back and I was like, I almost said, you know what, go for it, do it. But I was, I was just like, are you sure you want to do that? Like, what would be the point of walking, you know, like, what would be the point? And I remember another, recently about uh, maybe a few months ago, my mother-in-law's boyfriend, you know, he, he was challenging me. Uh, he had questions about the Bible and about God. And so he was challenging me by saying, or he asked me, can you walk on water? And I just, you know, reply, well, I don't feel like walking on water. And, you know, um, God hasn't called me to walk on water. But if God called me to walk on water, I believe that, sure, I, I, why not? Chuck Smith said, if you can get over Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, then you can believe anything. Right? There's a lot of people who put even their they put faith into evolution. Blind faith. And so this isn't about, you know, um, blind faith where you would say, you know, jump off the roof and um, angels are going to catch me. Nothing like that. 
But they're in the, the boat. Jesus is walking on the water. He's walking on the sea. And they're troubled saying, it's a ghost. Now, the word ghost is, um, you know, in the Greek, it's just pretty much a spirit. They, they were saying, there's a spirit. It wasn't the ghost that, you know, we might have a, a, a thought of, of like a scary movie. And I know none of you guys watch scary movies, right? But I remember I used to. I used to watch scary movies. Does anybody like being scared here? Like, do you like the feeling of being scared? You know, it's, it's weird. Before I used to like it, but now I don't. So today, I, we came in a little early, and I was going into room number two, and the lights were off. And so I had, like, my hands were kind of filled up, and I was carrying something, and then I had my other hand, and I'm unlocking the door. And I walk in the dark, and Aaron pops out, and he's like, ah, and I'm like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. He scared me, <laughs> or startled me. I wasn't that scared. He startled me. And he just played it off cool, all like, hey, hey, what's it going? And I'm like, well, why are you sitting in the dark? You know, but there was a reason why he was in there. So anyway, um, you know, they, they see a ghost, and they cried out for fear. And in verse 27, it says, I'm sorry. Yeah, in verse 27 it says, But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And so sometimes as you're in the storm, you might be afraid. There might be the temptation to be led by um, emotions, depending on the kind of storm you're in, depending what the situation is. You know, like... The disciples, they freaked out, and the thing they said was they thought it was a ghost, right? And so we got to be very careful that when we're in the storm, we got to recognize um, what, why are we there, and who is there with us, and who is there allowing it you know, to happen. Again, there's storms in life because of consequences to forgiven sin, but then there's also the storms of life of obedience, and this is one of the storms that the disciples were in, was a storm of obedience. They listened to the Lord when he said, go into the boat. And after feeding 5,000 people and seeing, you know, all these different miracles, all of us probably would have said, hey, Jesus, tell us to go into the boat. We're going to go into the boat. And so they go into the boat, and they cried out for fear. And if you guys um, are taking any notes down, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. How many times does the enemy try to mess with our minds? Over and over. You know, you might be walking by into the hallway. We call it the foyer, foyer or is that how you say it? It's just a fancy word for hallway, I guess. But So we walk through there and, you know, you see somebody and maybe they didn't see you and you're like, oh man, well, why didn't they tell me hi, you know? And then the enemy's like trying to just, you know, throw just those fiery darts at us, whatever it might be. Um, you're driving and, and, you know, somebody does something and you just kind of get all emotional and, and the devil's just right there trying to mess with our brains. And that's primarily how he, how he is. He, he'll attack 
our minds. And then especially, what an opportunity when we're in the storm and we might be scared, how even much more would he want to attack the mind? But it's definitely a verse to remember that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. So it goes on again in verse 27, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. I like how the NLT says it, the NLT says, but Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid, he said, take courage, I am here. And that was good enough for Peter and and his fear left him and suddenly He was full of faith. And so maybe today you're in the storm. Or maybe the clouds are coming together and the storm is about to come. Jesus is telling us, you and I, be of good cheer. Be of courage. I am here. The Bible says that the Lord will never leave us nor forsake us. And so I would venture to say that most of us here in this room are Christians. We're walking with the Lord. But I'll venture to say that there's some in here that um, don't know the Lord. And you were invited. And maybe you're scared. Maybe you have fear. Maybe you're in the storms of life. And Jesus is saying, be of good courage. I'm here. And so that... Peter, that's all Peter had to hear. He heard that and he, he just was filled up with faith because if as we read on, it says, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. I mean, out of all the things to ask for, why didn't he just say, Lord, why don't you calm, calm the storm? You know, but instead he's like, if it's you, command me to come on the water. Notice, and I thought this was interesting, notice that none of the disciples thought to ask this question. Good old Peter, right? When you read about Peter's life, the, different th- the way he would just you know, speak sometimes without thinking, it just, boom, just say something really quick. And this is, he's fearful, and it's something to learn that when we're fearful, we watch what we say. You know, because we might say something really quick and, oh man, I probably shouldn't have said that. And so there goes Peter. He says, um, if, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. So what did Jesus reply? He said, come. And so it's a lesson learned to be careful on what you pray for. Because you just might get it, Right? I know there's been many times I was praying for something and I was asking the Lord, you know, for an open door and the Lord closed it. And then I saw why he closed it. And for example, I'll give you an example was um, I had an opportunity to transfer to, oh man, what's that city called? Bishop, um, Ridgecrest. Who said Ridgecrest? Oh, good job. All right, yeah, Ridgecrest. There was an opportunity to go driving for UPS at Ridgecrest. And I was like, all right, sure, I'll take it. I'm going to go. I got to go. I got mouths to feed, you know, I got to work. And um, right when I was going to go out, 
the guy who was supposed to retire didn't retire and the door was closed. So then a few months later, Bishop was offered. And, you know, again, I've been praying, Lord, open a door, you know, for, for me. And so um, I said, you know what, I'm not going go to go to Bishop. And then literally about maybe a few months after that, there was an opening in Baldwin Park. And so Baldwin Park's local, and um, I just saw that the Lord was saying, you know, your calling is here in the San Gabriel Valley. And just, you know, um, I'm so thankful that um, the Lord didn't allow me to go to Ridgecrest because then I wouldn't be here with you guys probably right now. And so, you know, be careful what you pray for. Be specific in your prayers because my wife had been praying to come to the women's study, coming to the women's study. And for my work schedule, it's hard for me to be home at a decent time for her to come to the, um, the, the, the women's study. So the end of March, I get hurt on the job. And so I told her, honey, you got to pray specific. Now I'm injured, and you got to go to the women's study. There could have been a better way. And so be careful on what you pray for, because it just might be answered. So Jesus is right there. Peter's right there. There's the storm. He calls out to Jesus. Well, Jesus calls out to him. Then Peter says, if it's of you, let me um, walk on the water. Let me come to you. Jesus answers him and and says, "Um, come. And when Peter had come out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. So Peter carefully lifts himself out of the boat and lets his feet touch the water. I mean, that's crazy. And maybe God's telling you, Take a step of faith to whatever it might be. Imagine if he didn't go outside of the, of the boat. Maybe we wouldn't have been reading this story. Imagine if um, Moses would have never got his staff and put it into the river and made the water turn into blood. And so the Lord is, you know, telling us to do these things, to take steps of faith And it almost doesn't make sense. But again, that doesn't mean to do something weird and say, you know, God told me to go buy, you know, a Porsche, so I'm going to go buy a Porsche, you know. Maybe he will, I don't know. But nothing weird like that. Make sure it, it, all, it matches up, you know, to the word. But maybe the Lord's calling you to do something. Maybe he's calling you to be a Jesus freak, you know. To do something crazy, like, I don't know, share the gospel with somebody or go on a missions trip or talk to that, um, your family member who doesn't know the Lord, whatever it might be. Go on the streets and tell people about Jesus. Maybe just go and visit uh, the widow. Maybe go visit an orphan. Whatever it might be. 
maybe God's calling you to do that, to take a step of faith. And Peter, again, he's stirred up. He hears that it's Jesus, and he takes that step of faith, and he starts um, walking on the water, and he didn't sink. Imagine, again, what that would have been like. Imagine, okay, so imagine you're the disciples in the boat. You just thought you saw a ghost, and now you see Peter walking on water. I probably would have thought I was dead. Like, okay, this is the afterlife. And I remember one time, everybody knows where the 60 freeway is? Okay, everybody know where Montebello and East LA is? Okay, so I think I've shared this, this story before, but I'll share it again. Uh, this was before I was a Christian. Um, I was on the 60 freeway. I wasn't driving. The guy who was driving was drunk. Everybody was, um, you know, getting high and, and drinking. And so we're supposed to go to a party. And we're on the 60 going east, coming from East L.A. So how far were we? Well, anyway, so we're coming down the 60 going east, right? And everybody know where Belvedere Park is in East L.A.? Yeah? Okay, so we're on the 60, and the dude's drunk, and he, he loses control of the car, and the car starts spinning. And so prior to this, I had never been in an accident before, um, and I was just like waiting for an impact. There was no impact. You know when the, the wheels are burning and the smoke's all up in the air? So the car finally stops, and I'm just like, I'm buzzed, right? So I'm just like, oh, man, spinning already. So then once we stop, we're looking at the opposite. Okay, so traffic's going this way, and the car stopped like this. But what was crazy was every car was stopped at a perfect line. This is, that's this, this, I've seen this happen twice. Remember I shared the last time my wife was in an accident on the 605, and God parted the 605 for us? Okay, well, before I was a Christian, I mean, my sister and brother-in-law were probably praying for me. I'm pretty sure they were. But God spared me from getting, you know, hit or anything like that. So I remember pushing the door open, and I started running on the 60 freeway. (laughs) And I hopped over the fence. And when I hopped over the fence, okay, remember, so I'm under the influence. I hop over the fence, and a couple of friends are with me. We're in, um, again, Belvedere Park. There's a lake, and this is about 11 o'clock at night. So just if you could picture a whole bunch of, like, like about three or four bald heads running on the freeway. Okay, we jump. We jump the fence. We're in Belvedere Park at 11 o'clock at night. And I'm thinking, oh, man, we're going to get shot. You know, we're in the wrong neighborhood. We shouldn't be over here, you know. Um, I should, man, so people are, or the, there's a lake, and people are fishing at 11 o'clock listening to oldies. <laughs> I thought I died. I thought, okay, this must be the East L.A. heaven or something. <laughs> you know, this must be like what the afterlife is like because everybody was cool. Like I, literally at 11 o'clock at night, there was, old, there was little kids running around. They were bumping the oldies, and they were just fishing, looking at us like, oh, hey, what's up? Like, like nothing. And so as I was reading this, I was thinking, man, the disciples must be, you know, tripping out that 
they think they saw a ghost, and then they see Peter, you know, walking on water. It's just pretty trippy. And that was kind of like, um, I thought it was dead. I really did. I really thought, like, I started pinching myself. It was crazy. So if you ever want to go fishing at uh, 11 o'clock at night, <laughs> Belvedere Park, I guess, is the place uh, to be. And so, um, you know, Peter, he goes out and he's walking um, on the water. He's walking on the water as long as his eyes are fixed on the master, on Jesus. And so many times in life, you know, we go through these battles, we go through these different storms, and God is saying, be courageous, I'm here. And then we're going to learn from Peter what happens when you take your eyes off the Lord. So it goes on in verse 30. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. So he started seeing that the wind was, was just blowing hard. And when he took his eyes off the Lord and started looking around him, he started sinking. And so maybe you're here today and you've taken your eyes off the Lord and you're sinking. I like this picture right here. Because I know before I was a Christian, I felt like I was drowning. I felt like I was, remember, I thought I was dead, you know, at that time. But I just was, I felt so empty. And just seeing that picture right there, um, it just reminds me that God just, he pulled me up. And he pulled you up. And maybe you're drowning and God wants to pull you up. And, you know, notice Peter's um, prayer so simple you know he didn't start saying you know this long prayer how many of you pray long i'm just playing don't don't answer that but just a short prayer lord save me have you ever been in a situation or a time in your life where you just said god i need help i know i have I didn't have time to get on my knees and say, oh, you know, Lord, and, you know, I just said, God, help me, and just crying. God, help me. Another baby? Oh, my goodness. That's been my prayer lately. God, help me. Pray for my wife. Seriously, pray for her because, man, just, you know, having a lot of children, it's a blessing. Pray for us. <laughs> and so there's Peter. He just cries out for help. And in verse 31, it says, And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? Almost like this picture. 
And I don't know, right here you can't really see it, but maybe on the other screens, Jesus is kind of, you know, he has a smile. And that's what's so cool about the Lord. A lot of people have a misconception that Jesus is just going to hold you down under the water, you know? And that he's angry and mad. And of course, the Bible teaches that he's holy and um, he is a judge. But there's a balance. He's a judge. He's holy. He's perfect. But he also loves very much. And just seeing that picture right there, you can almost picture, you know, Peter down and, and Jesus just saying, Oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? And so in an instant, he feels Jesus pulling him out of the water. Did you know doubt can hinder the work of God? If you remember um, in, earlier in, in Matthew, in chapter 13, verse 58, it says, Now he did not do many works there because of their unbelief. He was in his hometown, and he couldn't do um, a lot of works there because they didn't believe. And so God is saying, I have a plan for your life. My thoughts towards you are good and not of evil. If you seek me, you will find me. Come to me. And maybe you might be thinking, no, not me. And so God can't do, do that work. But he's here to tell you, yes, yes, you. I want to do that work um, in your life. And maybe you've been praying. And you're like, God, use me in any way. You want to use me. I'll go to the ends of the earth. I'll go anywhere. And the Lord says, okay, well, why don't you uh, serve in the nursery? Oh, no, Lord. No. No. Anything but that. The Lord is doing a work, right? He wants to do a work. And doubt can hinder um, the Lord's work. If you remember in, in Luke 17, 6, he says, the Lord says, Jesus says, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. So imagine that. Who would need a gardener, right? You just tell this plant to, to be pulled up. But you just see, even, you know, he said just a mustard seed. And if you guys, I'm pretty sure you know the mustard seed is so tiny, it's so small. So just even you think of Jesus' prayer crying out, help me. You crying out to God, help me. That little seed, what God can do. And, and he gave an example of what can happen. So he goes on and says, um, in verse 32, and when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. When they got into the boat. Here's a quote from Chuck Smith. He said, we need to keep our eyes on the Lord who is master over the sea, the wind and the waves. As long as Peter fixed his eyes on Jesus, he could walk over the surface of the raging water. But when he took his eyes off Jesus and started concentrating on the wind and waves, he sank like a stone. It's no different for us. 
So they get into the boat, and the winds stop. The storm stops. Through the storm, the Lord is strengthening us. He's doing a work. And even though we might not want to go through the storm or be in the storm, just know there's a reason for it. He's trying to reveal himself to you. He's trying to show you to be even more dependent on him. Because how easily, especially here um, in the United States of America, how we can be dependent on our career or we could be dependent on, believe it or not, our, our iPhone or be dependent on, you know, you fill in the blank. And God is saying, you know, so easily the Lord can take all those things away. You know? And he's saying, just be dependent on me. Those are just resources I'm using, I'm using to provide for you, whatever it might be. And so they get into the boat. The wind stops. And in verse 33, it says, Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So again, we see Peter's side, but then they're just off to the side looking at all this going on. And so what else could they do but just worship, worship God? And he, they, they cry out right there. It says, they worshiped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. 